So several months ago during the pandemic, when all of our ministry had shifted to being digital, uh, we became acutely aware that strategic communication, in particular strategic messaging, was now more important than ever. And we also came to realize that it was, in some ways, one of our most glaring weaknesses. You see, this congregation has a long, rich history, a strong reputation in the city of Fort Worth, as well as in our denomination. We've got an incredible location across the street from a major university, a beautiful building and a gorgeous sanctuary. We've got strong, vibrant ministries, but we weren't really clear about who we were, about who God is calling us to reach, and how do we communicate to those people. So we began to ask ourselves if we, for, for far too long, have been relying on our reputation in order to bring people to us. And shouldn't we instead be going out into the community to reach them? You see, by and large, mainline Protestant churches aren't typically good at evangelism. That has never been one of our strong suits. And so we quickly came to the realization that we needed some help. We needed some guidance. And so we struck up a partnership with a creative agency known as Artspeak to help us with our messaging, with our visual identity. And as it's becoming increasingly clear how our online presence is now our digital front door, our website and our online presence needed to be top notch. They introduced us to what they refer to as the communication triangle and said that there needs to be some clarity about, about who we are and about who we are called to reach. And then ultimately, what is our message? What is it that we have to offer those? Who are we authentically and how does that match those that we think would love our church if they just got to know us? This communication triangle is nothing new. In fact, it's based on the rhetorical triangle that was first developed by Aristotle in the 4th century BCE. He taught that a, a speaker's ability to persuade an audience is based on how well that speaker appeals to that audience in three different areas. The ethos, which is the speaker, the pathos, which is the audience, and the logos, which is the message itself. And so Artspeak helped us find clarity on articulating who we are, about what makes us unique from every other congregation in the city. Because you know the, the joke about Fort Worth, right? There's, there's three churches on every corner and a gas station on the fourth corner. Well, so who is God calling us to reach? Who are we uniquely suited for? And what is our message that will help us reach those people? And so having spent a lot of time in the last couple of years discerning and articulating our vision and our mission and our core values, what we came to see, what we came to discover, what became increasingly clear to us is that our mission is our message. That our message is our mission, that we are called to seek the sacred, to commit to love, to, to empower, to serve. And so out of that mission, we crafted this this message that is our, our core story. Not just what we've done, not what we aspire to be, but the story of what it means to be an outwardly focused, open-hearted church for curious-minded people. 
And so that's what this series is all about as we start to roll out this strategic message campaign. This week, we'll introduce you to this core story, to our messaging. And next week, we'll look at our our visual identity and what it means to have a cohesive brand that strategically cuts through all of the static and the noise. So our text this morning is from Matthew's Gospel. It's part of a section known as the Sermon on the Mount. Many consider the Sermon on the Mount to be the essential teachings of Jesus, the the Cliff Notes version of the gospel, if you will. That if this was all that you knew about Jesus and what it means to follow him, it would be enough. And so here in this section of text that we're about to hear, he talks about striving for the kingdom of God, seeking the sacred, the holy, the divine, first and foremost, before you worry about anything else in all of life. So I invite you to listen now to Matthew chapter 6. Today's scripture reading is found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 verses 25 through 33. Here begins reading. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your lifespan? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, that they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Here ends the reading, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You are valuable. You are worthy of love. And you are already a part of what God is doing in this world. Now, Can you accept these words without a hint of hesitation? Maybe that statement feels like like home. It's comfortable, familiar, like putting on an old sweater. But what if it doesn't fit? What if you can't accept those words and and you wonder, can those be true for me too? Or maybe you think that you used up your value years ago. That you are left with a a little more than a memory of who you once were. Or Or maybe unacceptable was the only label that you've ever known. Because for a lot of us, if we're honest, it's hard to feel valuable. It's hard to feel worthy of love. It's, it's hard to feel like we are a part of what God is doing in this world. And, and no accomplishment, no accolade, no, no promotion, nothing can heal that, that soul wound. You see, many of us have watched our golden moments of greatness just sort of fade into the past. And others of us have failed where we thought that we were going to succeed. Some of us, if we're honest, have made 
been made to feel like we were born failures. Well, Jesus comes along and says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life, Jesus says. But we do. We worry a lot. And these are stressful times. Uh, this pandemic has, has had a major impact, a major effect on our lives. Many of us have been facing challenges that were stressful and overwhelming that caused strong emotional reactions that are difficult to cope with. Pandemic stress is a real thing. There have been a lot of stories. There have been a lot of, a lot of articles that have been written about the impact that it's having on us. The prevalence of anxiety and depression among all of us, but most especially amongst our students, our children, our youth. Don't worry about your life, Jesus says, but we do. We worry about putting food on the table. We worry about paying the bills, about keeping up with the Joneses. We worry about appearing that we've got it all together even when we don't. We worry about looking the part even if we don't have the part. Don't worry about your life, Jesus says. But seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, look first and foremost for the holy, for the divine, for the, for the sacred. Because if you find that, Jesus seems to be saying, if you find that, all of that other stuff won't really matter. You'll have everything you need. You'll discover that that's what you wanted all along, but couldn't name it. And for many of us, that search, that search for the holy, for the divine, for the sacred, for many of us, it's led us here. Because here in this place, in this community of faith, we found, we found a freedom. We found a, a, a brave space where it's okay to be vulnerable. We found a community of faith, uh, friends for the journey, who were curious enough to listen to our stories. A congregation that was compassionate enough to walk with us through all of it as we all worked together to follow Jesus. And though it's had its starts and our stops, we've, we've noticed that through it all that our, our lives move in the direction of more, more healing more wholeness, and ultimately more hope. Because we found something here. Our seeking, our searching has led us to this place, and we want to be able to help others find that too. There's an old story from Poland about three old men that used to sit in the center of town, and they would think about philosophy and, and godly things. One day, a little boy came up to them with a, a simple question and simply asked, where does God live? Well, the man told the boy that God lives at the bottom of the well in the village. Come and see. We'll, we'll, we'll show you, the men said to the little boy. And they went to the well. And one of the men picked up the boy and held him so that he could see all the way down to the bottom of the well. God is down there, they said. In every village, in every well, God resides at the bottom. Well, when they pulled the boy back, 
they saw that the little boy obviously was disappointed. He said, all I saw down there was me, a reflection of me. That's right, the old man said. That's right, and now you know where God lives. Pay attention, they said. Pay attention to your life, young man, because God is in it somewhere. You see, church, we don't have to look far to find the holy. It's as near to us as our next breath that there is a part of God that is deposited in each and every one of us. And that part of God is waiting to be given away to a world, a world that is hurting, suffering. And there are people out there. There are people out there who are desperate for that healing, for that wholeness, for that hope that we have found at the bottom of this well. That long to know that no matter what, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, that they are valuable, that they are worthy of love, that they are already a part of what is God is doing in this world, that they have a place. You see, that's the story that we have to tell. That's our vision of what it means to be church. That's our call as, as people of faith, as followers of Jesus Christ, as members of University Christian Church, to take this message of Christ's courageous love beyond the walls of this sanctuary and into the world and, and to share it and to tell our story in such a way so that others can experience that same love that we have found here, that they can experience for themselves so that they can take it into the world with them, wherever they go. Amen.